everyone. This is Inside Bristol Live, a weekly podcast that takes you behind the headlines and inside your local newsroom. I'm Bronwyn Weatherby, your host for this week's podcast, taking you through some of the biggest stories and events that have happened in the city. So before we get started, a bit of housekeeping. You can rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, you can follow us on Twitter and join in the conversation by tweeting at IBL Podcast or you can find me personally at Bron Weatherby. Okay, so we've got some really fun guests this week. Uh, first up, we've got Sarah Turnage. She's the latest and newest member of our newsroom. Uh, really excited to talk to her. Um, Alex Wood is up next. He's going to be talking to us about how thousands of people are getting caught and fined by going up a Metro bus only slip road on the M32. Fascinating. Last but not least, we're going to be talking to Christian Davis. He's been doing stories about a patch of land in Stokes Croft that's had its own very own Instagram account dedicated to it. It's going to be a great show. So I hope you enjoy listening. First of all, we're going to talk to Sarah. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm here today with Sarah Turnage. Um, I had to ask her how she said her name <laughs> earlier, uh, as many people ask me how you say my name. Um, she is a new starter with us at the Bristol Post, um, which means she's our newest member of staff. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And I've dragged you onto the podcast the first week. Yeah, I've just two, de- two and a half days in and here we are. <laughs> yeah. No time to settle in. How's it going? Yeah, it's going brilliantly. I'm really enjoying it. It's been been I'm new to Bristol so it's been interesting sort of get having to get to know it yeah so quickly but it's been great yeah, yeah whereabouts are you living in Bristol um I live in St George um just off Church Road so oh, okay yeah. don't give out your full address no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's quite a long road yes <laughs> good um how so how how have you found the move to Bristol so far uh yeah I've really enjoyed it um I got to see I moved here on Thursday so I got to, I've got to see quite a lot of it over the weekend and Great. I've obviously spent the last few days reading all everything I can about it um, and trying to get out and about so it's been brilliant it's a really cool city I really yeah. like it yeah well we're glad to have you whereabouts <laughs> you. have you come from um I've come from Essex I live near South End on Sea which is on the Thames estuary um yeah, so I lived there my whole life. Um, I went to uni in Exeter, but I've been working at home for the last year at a paper there. Okay, what paper was it? Um, it was called The Echo. Um, it covers all sort of South Essex. So. Oh, wow. Any any memorable moments from your time working at The Echo? Oh, goodness, you put me on the spot. I know. <laughs> um, I don't know, it was just, it was a really interesting place to work because it was the paper I grew up with and obviously the area I grew up with, which is completely different to how it is here. Yeah. Um. So a lot of sort of like the characters or the areas I was writing about were sort of well known to me and it was a completely different experience but that sounds really yeah, fun though to, yeah I'm trying to think of something memorable that happened to me and it'll probably come back to you like halfway through the podcast or, or this evening yeah. when you're trying to fall asleep and you'll be like ah oh, I I mentioned <laughs> that story um yeah so that was your first job in journalism uh no I was at a different paper called the Thurk Independent for which was just a weekly little paper it was it's a brand new um set up just last year um it's a really small little um sort of outlet it was that was a brilliant first experience yeah um got to grips with it there did my nctj my qualifications there um yeah it was a weekly paper that whereas the echo was a daily so it was a completely different pace and then bristol live is something completely new as well so what's the what are the differences that you've noticed so far do you think um so with a weekly um it was interesting because you had you just had so long to get everything right um 
and but the deadlines always still seem to come through really quickly but you'd think you'd so we went to print on a Wednesday and Monday you think oh we still have ages and then it would be Wednesday morning and we'd all be typing at a thousand <laughs> miles an hour um and a daily was really interesting and was a great training ground because having that and it was I was working in print so it was every day at 6 p.m everything had to be well for me sort of 6 p.m everything had to be done dusted tied up so having that and start kind of starting fresh every day was really interesting experience quite stressful but yeah I can imagine Um, you've come kind of through like a more traditional route of journalism yeah Uh, like I kind of envy that um in in a way because I you know this is my first job with Mm. with Bristol Life so it's a daily but also it's very online focused yeah so the deadlines are whenever your deadline is it could be you know every hour on the hour if you've got that many stories going out (laughs) um but that kind of traditional route from like weekly to daily and having those deadlines at the end yeah. of the day before you go to print that that's uh yeah I I kind of feel like that would um that'd be a really great experience yeah. for any journalist it's, it's been it's been great it has been a really useful to kind of doing it in that way I think ideally I would have spent longer in each one because I only started in February mm-hmm. so I spent two or three months at the weekly for five or so months at the daily and then suddenly I'm here so it's yeah. kind of been hyper speed through all the different types of paper <laughs> yeah but, a bit um, a bit of a whirlwind as well it has yeah and yeah coming to it relocating to a whole new area whereas before I was very much concentrated in one bit that I knew very well and now suddenly it's like here getting to grips with all of it all over again yeah anything else that you've noticed since uh sort of starting in the office that kind of compares to other places that you worked um obviously the people are amazing not that they weren't <laughs> in your other places. <laughs> um, it's really great being in um, a city centre um, mm. and just having it being so vibrant. Just as soon as you step out the door, like you're minutes from being right in the middle of town. Where I worked before coming here was um, on an industrial estate in Basildon. <laughs> it was like it was like barbed wire fences around. Oh. Like, it was like a compound. Keep you were the locked in. in. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so here, it's it's been really lovely. Um, and yeah, that that makes such a massive difference as well, I think. And um, it's nice just the atmosphere of everyone um, just kind of shouting over their desks to each other, helping, like especially helping me out. I don't really know anything, haven't got so many contacts and stuff at the moment and being able to just lean over and ask, oh, who should I call for this? Mm. Can you help me with something like this on my computer? And just having that kind of interactive kind of body around you is, is, has been brilliant. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Have you always wanted to go into journalism? Uh, yes, I think so. I have dabbled in loads of different ideas. I'm one of these people I just... I've become fixated on one thing and really want to do that for ages. <laughs> wanted to be like a marine biologist as a child. And wow. <laughs> I was obsessed with dolphins. It was all a bit odd. <laughs> and, um, and, and uh, But no, I've always, always loved writing. And I think it was being a writer was what I really wanted. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, as I grew up, um, always reading the local paper and then as I've gotten older and had like you know access to Facebook Twitter that kind of thing and being able to just have this constant stream of news and just being really fascinated by it and mm. yeah I love um I love just having the opportunity in this job to just chat to such a broad spectrum of people yeah you do don't yeah. you yeah and like I'll, I will be on the phone for ages if they they, they just left me to my own devices I'd be on <laughs> rabbiting away to people for hours but um it's great just to speak to this like really broad spectrum of people and hear all these different viewpoints that you'd never hear if you 
weren't just weren't asking the questions I suppose it's great to have that to have the outlet and to have a reason to be nosy basically yeah I think I'm I'm quite a nosy person so like having a license to be nosy is my dream yeah the basic (laughs) tenet of journalism (laughs) it's fantastic yeah I saw you um tweeted something um I think it was today about someone who thanked you for a story yeah. that you did do you want to tell me a little bit about that because I'm, I'm not sure what story yeah. it relates to um so yeah that was one I wrote uh yesterday um about the Clifton suicide prevention um group who have recently set up they've been running for about a month mm. um and I mean I obviously I'm new to the area but I knew that the area around um Clifton was a bit troubled in terms of you know vulnerable people and I didn't know that there wasn't anybody who was actually on patrol in the area. Obviously, they have the Samaritan signs. Um, But I spoke to um, a guy called Michael who runs this scheme and he was motivated to start the um, patrol group when he heard about a boy who was quite close to his own age um, taking his own life. Um, And he's an amazing guy. He's been patrolling by himself for the last few months, goes out quite a bit in the evenings. Um, And then he set up this group. Um, He does everything via radio. He's a radio, um, amateur radio enthusiast. So he um they he has this system set up for calling like a control room if they spot anyone um and yeah he's just really throws himself into it and he was really keen to talk to me i hadn't never heard of it and i don't think they've been publicized that much um and yeah he was just really pleased and that just makes it so worth it to when you get comments like that and cuz you do get people you're like oh you know who, who you can't always be happy with what you've written cuz you know i don't think it's really our job to please everybody with what we write all the time no exactly um but when you're when you're bringing attention to something like such a worthwhile group such as that it's um yeah it's great to to have that feedback even if it's just a little note like that was just a little facebook message it just yeah you go home at the end of the day sort of buzzing about it i got it on my bus on the way home and i was like oh excellent that's exactly what you yeah. need at the end of your second day in a new yeah. job isn't it yeah, yeah. It's, it's been lovely and i think the people in bristol are so open as well um, and really receptive to chatting with you about things that they're doing and um yeah, it's it's a really community focused place. I really like it about that. Like Excellent. that about it. Well, like I said, we're so happy to have you. <laughs> Thank and you. uh yeah, I look forward to working with you some more. And I'm sure we'll get you on the podcast and maybe rope you in to do a bit of uh <laughs> bit of the hosting as well, maybe. Um <laughs> not putting you on the spot a bit, but uh hopefully speak to you soon. Fantastic. Okay, thanks. Thank you very thanks, much. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. It was great having a chat with Sarah there, the latest member of our newsroom. Um, Next, we're going to talk to Alex about the M32 slip road. (laughs) Three French people actually helped them get their tickets on the Metrobus. Did you? They were struggling. They were in front of me, let me go, and then they were still struggling. So I was like, why are you trying to go? I don't think our listeners know just how nice Alex Wood is as, you know, a person. Can be. Can can be if I choose. Some listeners would we we all pretend to be nice, but Alex is actually the nice one. This is true. This yeah, is true. he you're, helps. You're, Chris, you're pretty nice. He, he, 
People often comment on your niceness. You know, if I was to rate your niceness, it would be, you know, probably, you know, nine out of ten for you, Chris. And maybe an eight for you, Alex. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Who bought chocolate coins in it? That is very true. I'm gonna bump you up to nine. But I need you like a you know, a bit competitive. Vying for niceness, otherwise the chocolate coins will run out. Mm. They are not going to run out anytime soon, by the way. Oh, are you recording, by the way? Yeah, yeah. I obviously edit all of that out because we don't want Alex, you know, people to know yeah, Alex is nice. Yeah, um, but it is. What is it today? Is it hashtag chat like a pirate day? Speak like a pirate day. Speak like a pirate no, talk, day. Talk like a pirate day. Talk like Parley like a pirate. <laughs> Would have been the better hashtag, by the way, if you've ever seen the Pirates of the Caribbean films. I mean, you know, parlay. Parlay. You know what parlay is. That's a French to word speak. to speak. Yeah, but yeah. it's in the Pirates. You've seen the Pirates of the Caribbean Yeah, movies, I have. Right? Yeah. Parlay. I request a parlay <laughs> with the captain. Uh, oh, I know too much about that. Um, the It was Escape Hunt uh, today. It's an escape room uh, company in Bristol. I think they've got, so, you know, uh, escape rooms in other cities as well. But they brought us in a th- four chests, yeah, like uh, see-through chests of um, <laughs> gold chocolate um, coins. And we had to crack the code to get inside them. And also inside was an inflatable parrot. Um, which if was the, if the coins weren't incentive enough, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was in it for the parrot. Um, but we got it, very proud, and we are sat here right now fueling our energy with chocolate coins. That's that's all I'm eating today. <laughs> so are you both going to be talking like a pirate today? I are. I already do, so it's not a problem. Tristan Cork, one of the reporters, he, um, I'm sure if you listen to this podcast on the regular, um, you will have heard his dulcet tones, but um, he was like, hashtag uh, talk like a pirate day but we talk like that every day or something that he he obviously worded it better in his tweet uh, but uh, I got a lot of likes from Bristolians I have a lot to learn in the uh, pirate talking (laughs) business anyway should we crack on let's do it okay hi hey (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've got Alex Wood with me today and what on earth are you going to be talking about? Because this is a bit of a lucky dip one. You you kind of refused to tell this, me what you were going to talk about before you came in. Is that how it was? <laughs> I, I actually thought it was, yeah, okay. Well, I'm here to uh, talk today about Metrobus, which yes. is a long, arduous topic that we've covered extensively on the podcast and on the website and in the paper. So I'm not going to go into the scheme, mm-hmm. uh, a more specific element of Metrobus yep. and it's uh, sort of newly built, purpose-built M32 slip road. Yes, I've seen bridge. this. I've gone past it. Yes. So it kind of looks, it's on the left of the M32 if you're coming out of Bristol City Centre. Right. Yep. And it's it actually on of, both sides. Oh, it's on both sides. Well, as in you can, you come, you would, if you were a driver, you would come off on the slip road if you're going out of the city centre, mm. but there's a slip road coming back onto the M32 if you're heading inbound. Um, Which... So is the point that drivers aren't meant to use that? Normal drivers, you and I drivers, yeah. car drivers, yeah, absolutely not. Um, okay, so built, what's been the controversy with it? Well, that is exactly, the, you hit the nail on the head because yeah. drivers don't seem to be getting the message. Um, it's been open to the public since end of May. Yeah. Uh, Metrobus has been running its M3 
service and that's basically between UE and the city centre. Okay. So the the reason for building it essentially was uh, to provide easier access, quicker access off the M32 because otherwise drivers, bus drivers would have to go to the next junction, uh, come off and it just adds I think about five, ten minutes which doesn't sound a lot but when you're running I suppose regular services yeah um, th- you know, those minutes count so yeah the M32 can can get very congested exactly. very easily if there's any accidents or incidents as Absolutely. well yeah. so so they built this a lot of money a lot of time it's finally open and you know it's been running from a bus perspective absolutely fine for mm. the past few months uh, the services are you know operating daily no issues but uh, I think it's about two weeks ago it was revealed that uh, on after 100 days of it being open, uh, the council had caught, and I've got the numbers in front of me, <laughs> because prepared. this is important. Um, so in 100 days, 9,458 people were caught driving up that slip road and onto that purpose-built bridge. In 100 days? In 100 days. Almost 1,000. Almost 10,000. Almost, so, oh, so right. So 9,000 458 people wow behind the wheel of a car caught going up that slip road how many is that a day am I going to make you do math well I mean yeah, well, our journalists notoriously aren't great where the maths are concerned <laughs> but I did spend a little bit of time with the calculator for the story when we okay. did this a couple of weeks ago uh, and easily it's 100 days it's a nice round number to work with so it worked out on average something like 95 drivers or cars a day going up that slip road which that's really quite Shocking. That's um, really shocking. Um, so, are they getting fined? And for this? this is this is yeah, and they are getting fined. So, it's a sixty pound fine, penalty charge notice for going up that that slip road. There okay. are cameras mounted, catching people. Every single person, day or night, twenty four hours, going up that slip road is getting caught. Now, that does get reduced. I should point out if you pay within a certain time frame. I, th- okay. I think off the top of my head, it's like down to thirty pound after okay. you know if you pay within fourteen days or something. But the council has made £186,000 from this in 100 days from just that slip road, Um, which which we do number story. We do find stories um, and they always generate a lot of interest. But I think this is one of the unusual cases where that's such a huge number of people. Um, you know, doing doing it in the first place, and who are getting fined for doing it. So, so who's in? I mean, you know, from someone who hasn't worked on the story, mm. who's in the wrong here? Like, are drivers are, are drivers trying to, you know, are, are that many drivers just trying to take a shortcut, knowing that they're in the wrong, or is it not signposted properly? You know, is it is it? I'm not trying to proportion blame to the council, but mm. what's gone on that that many people? Well, that is the crux of the matter. Because okay. our first story was, you know, a straightforward, this is how many people have been caught uh, since it opened 100 days ago. Mm. Uh, and since then, you know, we, there's been a lot of reaction to the story. There's a lot of drivers who've been in touch, um, contacted the newsroom. Uh, and it's actually quite varied, some of the reasons that I've heard personally, and I know other reporters who've spoken to drivers. So some people um, have said that they're following their sat-nav. And I tested it very early on uh, using Google on my phone, mm. uh, sort of, you know, UE to city centre. And it would tell you, to go on to that slip road. Right, okay. But that was actually a few weeks back, prior to the story. Mm. Um, I made a sort of note of it, mm. and that was that. 
since the story, I did that same check, and it seems that it's now been corrected. Okay, so that's it's, good. It's only signposting you via the correct routes, and definitely, definitely not via that slip road. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one excuse, the sat nav thing. Um, well, many people coming into the city centre or, or coming out, mm. uh, rather, you know, you're going to use your sat nav. You're not going to be knowing yeah. where, know where you're going if you're new. Yeah, um, and then there was the the suggestion that maybe it's not signposted correctly. So mm. I, a driver got in touch. He's lived in Bristol all his life. He's in his 60s. Um, He's not a signage expert by any means, but as a driver who was caught, he said he felt that there wasn't adequate information approaching that junction to tell him that as a driver, he shouldn't use it. Um, So he was appealing his fine. Uh, Mm. I don't actually know where he's got with the appeal, Mm. but um, we went out on a test drive. I went out on a test drive with a photographer to actually get some pictures and kind of just from my own eyes see what drivers will see yeah, on this route. Now, when I interviewed that driver in his 60s, he was convinced there was only one sign and it was immediately before the junction. So it was almost like you've already initiated the turn off before mm. you see it. And he, you know, he, was, he was raging on the phone. He was saying, this is, this is not right. This is inadequate. And I thought, fine, I'll just take it all down, see for myself. Mm. Now, what he told me was not strictly true, okay. I'm afraid to say. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, I don't be- know his name, but I was going to say Paul. George. Poor George. Poor George. And it actually turns out there's three. There's three signs right. along the M32. Uh, conscious this is a very dry topic, but it, it, it really <laughs> does affect quite a lot of people. And, it, and the thing is, the reason I'm here today is actually because this is still happening. Well, I was going to say, I mean, it's... It's not a dry topic to me. I'm I'm like perplexed that it's even going on still. And why is it? Why is it so confusing? I, I mean, so off the back of doing our own little field trip and little drive along, and we did not go up the slip road, obviously, but we <laughs> avoided that. Um, so three signs equally spaced out, quite clearly informing you as a driver that this is a bus only route. Yeah. Now, why people are ignoring those signs, I don't know. Uh, but I spoke with a highways expert, a guy who's based in Burnham-on-Sea, off the back of this, because we were getting th- this this rumour that perhaps the signage wasn't correct was kind of circulating. As mm. said, George, the driver, was convinced, and there were others suggesting it. Yeah, you want to address that, don't you? Because we're yeah. not signage experts either. No, exactly. And I, I mean, I, I've seen it, but I, I can't tell whether what's there is actually correct. Mm. So put it to an expert in Burnham-on-Sea. Now, he's um, a civil engineer. He has worked with local authorities um, and he's actually, they actually found him on a website for experts who get called to court cases to give evidence on. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, this guy, he'll know the ins and outs of the road signage. This is a, an expert witness on road signage. Literally. This is, is, is yeah. We, expert gets branded about a lot in media, local and national, but this guy is like certified expert. <laughs> he's got the stamp, yeah. Um, Seal of approval. And initially, he, he, we had a phone chat. We had a chat on the phone. We emailed. Um, I showed him some pictures that we took. And he got back to me. And the first thing he said to me was, this is adequately signed. Okay. This, the, 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 why the drivers know. are going... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was very like, oh, oh, okay. Kind of killed my hopes a little bit. <laughs> I, was, I was clinging to this hope that there might be something here for me to look into. Yeah. And that was that. And then about an hour later, I had another email from him, a lengthier one, where he said, well... Whilst the the layout is sort of legally meets the legal requirements, mm. 
I do, looking at that, do have some reservations. Um, you know, leave it with me and I'll sort of get back to you. And mm. um, I had a the following day, I checked my emails and I had two more from him where he'd actually taken the time to explain his thoughts and his sort of view of it. Now, again, it, it is legally meeting all the requirements. There is nothing illegal about the current signage. But this expert was saying, you know, he is very uneasy about the fact nearly 10,000 people have used it in such, something going such a short exactly such a short space of time and he said you know my advice would be even though it's his one opinion but would be that the council should install more signage or address the current signage to make it more obvious um now put that to the council they you know reiterated this is correctly signposted the road markings are correct we've worked with the highways department of transport it's all above board and they insist they're not here to catch people out they said Mm. that in their statement um as i imagine many people have had have said yeah yeah i mean that's the suggestion and they they said it in their statement you know we are in fact they say we are absolutely not trying to catch drivers out but want to provide dedicated bus priority for Metrobus services to ensure the huge investment in this project delivers the reliability and journey time benefits intended. Mm. So in short, no, we're not going to change the current. So yeah. as far as I'm aware, that's what, you know, their position at the moment is they are not going to be addressing the signage, but people are still driving up that slip road oh, every dear. day. Uh, and we've seen that ourselves, Chris, of, you know, who is here in the room with us, might join Hi, us on the phone. I am. You, this is our signage expert. Yeah, you had, you had the wonderful opportunity of actually seeing this firsthand from a, hopefully to film some people. And you, you did capture some. I captured three in half an hour. Three and a half. Which three I, which and I, half I thought was quite impressive, to be honest. I think that's a lot. It's one in 10 minutes. And yeah. that wasn't even during a rush hour time, was it? That was an average sort of, what, two o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah, two o'clock in the afternoon and the motorway was pretty pretty clear. So I can't imagine how many people go up at rush hour. Mm. It's, it, and oh, that, this is, and this is It is. And this is why I thought today, I, as much as I'm loving writing about these stories, and, and mm. please, if anyone is listening to it, just, you know, has it, been caught themselves uh, and wants to have a chat with me, please do. But just from common sense perspective, people need to accept that this is above board. There are signposts. Please stop driving up that bridge. Yes. Because you will get a £60 penalty charge notice and I will write about it in about three months' time <laughs> when we have a new stats compile. It would just be... Can you imagine yeah. how much that those stats are going to be when you get them back in, in a couple well, of months? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that people will learn word of mouth and people will realise that they are issuing fines for this. Mm. I think it was similar with the M32 when they dropped the speed down to 40 and they introduced the average speed cameras. Yeah. This is maybe last year, I think it was. And again, the first round of stats, there was this huge spike in people because no one knows. Um, but if you drive down the M32 fairly rate, you'll see now most people adhere to that speed. Yeah, because if you don't, you're going to get caught exactly. and find that's just so the end of it. Yeah. I, I think it's a kind of a process of you need to be stung a few times to realise that yeah. this is actually happening. And you need Alex Wood to come yeah. on a <laughs> podcast and say, stop driving up the slip road. So that's, yeah, that's kind of been it. That's, that's our coverage so far. And yeah. I, just, I just thought it needs, it does need vocalising. It does, yeah. It's, um, there's no fault here, but people still, for some reason, are driving up it. Yeah. 
and George, if you're listening, no more. So, <laughs> there's no excuse. I mean, he might. I don't know. Maybe his appeal will, will come off. I need to speak with him. But Yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting in itself um, to see how many people success, successfully mm. appeal um, because maybe in the initial stages they do feel like people have a case uh, against yeah. it. But, you know, you never know. They It is ab- all above board and legal, so mm. maybe they don't have a case, whatever they we'll say. We'll see. I'll be here. I'll be on hand if if there are any cases that need exposing as such. Um, <laughs> Do you want to tell people your Twitter? Yes. Handle? Yeah. Um, so yeah, if anyone is listening, you don't just have to talk to me about the M32. There are other stories that I <laughs> like to cover. He is the M32 <laughs> correspondent. It's, be- it's becoming like that. Um, but but no, uh, Mr. Alexwood on Twitter. Mr. Um, Alexwood. Yeah. Just in any doubt that I'm not a Mrs. at this current <laughs> stage in my life, um, I'm a Mr. And I'm on Facebook. You can find me fairly easily. Um, and yeah, it doesn't have to be at the M32, but while we're on topic, feel wow. free to get in touch. Excellent. Okay, thanks, Alex. Thank you. Bye. So you heard it from Alex Wood first. Don't drive up that M32 slip road. You will get caught and fined. Up next, uh, Christian Davis is going to talk to us about Patch of Land on Stokes Croft. The hardest thing of today has been trying to get Christian in this room. (laughs) (laughs) There's a dog in the office. There is a dog in the office. Good excuse. Mm. This is uh, how I introduce you, Chris. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. How are you? (laughs) I'm very, very good. Especially good now that we've seen Tristan's dog in the office. It's bloody massive. Can I say bloody? I don't know. Maybe I have to edit that. I'm not sure. I feel like bloody is one of those swear words that's kind of... Doesn't offend anyone. It doesn't really offend anyone. Yeah. It's well, the dog was bloody massive then. There you, go. <laughs> you almost sounded Welsh. Yeah, no, I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I did, yeah. didn't I? <laughs> I'm not going to try and go any further than that. <laughs> so um, you're here today to talk about Turbo Island in Stokes Croft. Yes. Um, for some reason this week I've ended up doing a couple of stories about Turbo Island and potentially another one, but I'm not really sure whether that will come off yet but uh so yeah. when i first heard about this because i don't live anywhere near stokescroft really i've been to stokescroft for those who don't know stokescroft is um an area just outside the city center would you say yeah yeah uh, to the north to the east uh yeah north east ish but pretty yeah. much like almost straight directly north that leads yeah. to gloucester Road. Yeah. you kind of come out of the city center and it's there you know the, that area, um, and I've never heard of this Turbo Island. But when you haven't heard of Turbo Island, no. And and when I read your story, I couldn't actually believe what it was. <laughs> Will you explain what Turbo um, Island is? Turbo Island is literally like a ten meter square patch of land on Stokescroft, like kind of halfway up. Uh, that is normally occupied by um, people drinking during the day. <laughs> and that's at a, night, at the weekend summary. especially, yeah, there's usually like um, a rave for some reason or a fire. Yeah, and it's it's directly off of the main road. There's like main road that runs through Stokescroft, crack me yeah. around Gloucester Road. Yeah, sandwiched between uh, Stokescroft and Jamaica Street. And then if you go further up, obviously it's Cheltenham Road, then Gloucester Road. But yeah, okay. on that part, it's um, right by Jamaica Street. But... Um, yeah, I live like sort of near there, so it's always kind of like fascinated me the fact that there are just literally constantly people there whenever you walk past, like any time of day, there's just people sat around. It's quite nice. It's quite like a 
community feel to it it's a place for people to gather and chat and hang out I guess yeah and and whilst that that is the case and and it that is it's a unique trait that Stokes Croft has I think and it's really nice when you look at pictures of it it is quite honestly a patch of grass that hasn't been tended to yeah yeah I'm not exaggerating it's literally a patch, <laughs> patch of grass it's it's a patch of mud at the moment because um I think over summer it was very well trodden um but, with all the raves yeah with all the, the summer raves because it was such nice weather I guess people were out later more people were about yeah um yeah we did a story during the summer I think Joe did it there was like a, a 50 person rave there um which yeah. kind of annoyed some people living nearby which is fair enough well the stories that you've been doing recently are actually about someone documenting all the goings on there yeah so <laughs> the, this story is a kind of silly one but um well, actually, they're both far, to be honest, but someone... <laughs> Don't put yourself down. <laughs> someone has been uh, taking pictures and videos from like an upper story window from from a building on Stokescraft. I'm not sure which one, but from the second floor, must be their flat or something, taking pictures of all the like weird and wonderful goings on on, uh, on Turbo Island, such as people kind of dancing in the road, uh, massive bonfires and yeah just people acting very strangely considering they're like out in public and yeah. in sight of a lot of other people yeah it's um, almost getting like a, a weird I mean apart from the bonfire but like a weird insight to how people would act in their own living room they kind of just chill out in this area that's yeah yeah I mean during the day, I'd say it's chilled. I think at night it kind of takes a turn. But um, <laughs> most of the videos, yeah, it's a mix of like daytime and nighttime. But yeah, the as you say, chilling out. One of the pictures is literally like a couple, like just literally lying flat on the grass, either passed out or asleep. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, uh, but no, so, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty funny. There's there's uh, a lot of different scenarios documented there, and. Uh, yeah. So what, where are these pictures being posted? Uh, so this is an Instagram account. It's called Turbo Island in Bloom. <laughs> and I think all the spaces Great. are underscores if you fancy following it. But um, yeah, uh, I think it only started in June and it's already got like 1500 followers and the videos get a load of views and the pictures get loads of likes etc it is uh, something to behold given that we are talking about a patch of grass in the middle of an area yeah it's utterly bizarre i've, I've learned a lot about turbo island literally in these past few days <laughs> just like researching these stories yeah. and trying to understand why it is such a thing i think it's because there's like a a big loophole because that land is even though it's like public it's not actually council owned okay so it's a real weird one so there's a billboard there and the people who own the billboard own the land i think they're called like prime vision or something okay um so they have a billboard there but then there's yeah as i said this kind of tiny triangle of grass in front of it which the council and police don't have any jurisdiction over so they don't have any jurisdiction over it yeah i mean so, presumably if a crime has been committed on the land well no like i mean they get away with the bonfires and stuff like the That's police so true, are known yeah. to like not do much i mean allegedly not do much about <laughs> what happens there um so yeah it's kind of like a law unto itself in terms of like the street drinking and 
um, apparently like drug taking and stuff. I don't know how much of that's true. You could probably believe it's true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's why essentially like people go there and use that space because I think they're kind of, unless Prime Vision specifically asks the council, I guess, or the police to do something about it, I don't think they can do anything about it or would That's do interesting. anything about it. And also, I think I saw in one of your stories, you said it used to be a building and it was bombed in the Blitz. Yeah, Is so, that in 1940? Yeah, it's another thing I found out. So in the, yeah, 1940, during the Bristol Blitz, there was, so it used to be a shoe shop, I think, not a shoe factory. And um, yeah, it was bombed in the Blitz during 1940. The building was completely destroyed. And uh, so after the bombing, the council were thinking about building something in its place or just reinstating the building, but then uh, decided that it would actually be um, less dangerous to just leave it. Um, I, I can't remember what they were going to leave it as, but either leave it as like a yeah an open space or something else. But um, it was to do with how dangerous the junction would be with Jamaica Street. Mm. So they thought, oh, yeah, if you can't see cars coming up, it could cause an accident okay, or something. Yeah. Um, which kind of makes sense, but then also you have like loads of junctions like that in other places. But um, yeah, so instead um, it was kind of left over. So rather than build anything else that would obstruct the view, they left it and then it eventually just became nothing. They they made no plans for it. So it became something called slope, which is space left over after planning. Um, and then since then, I guess the advertising company bought it up but generally kind of has just been left and become this kind of free space. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's kind of one of those examples that I might give to people when I talk about open space in Bristol with, with people who maybe aren't familiar with the city or are coming to live here. Cause Bristol has from, you know, my experience now having lived here, you know, about a year and a half, Bristol people who live here, they're really proud and they're really protective over their open spaces and their parks and mm. things. And they really feel like, even if they're council run and or looked after... They belong um, to everyone. They belong to everyone. Yeah. There's a real sense of like ownership and... If that was, if there's ever an open space that's, you know, going to be taken away from people, people go absolutely ballistic. And, yeah. you know, that's... This is kind of one of those... It's an odd example, but when you put it in context with how Bristol feel about open spaces and that kind of communal ownership over, over places like that, it kind of makes sense, really, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, if it was taken away, there would be a massive backlash, I think. Yeah. yeah. You're completely right. Like, people do have real like ownership for parks and open spaces here and I think like I mean yeah because there's such a problem of homelessness they they become places to live in some parts as we know in yeah, different areas course. and uh yeah I mean Turbo Island if like the parks are the bedroom Turbo Island is probably like the living room I guess <laughs> <laughs> yes it's the place where people to go go to absolutely chill out yeah. and do whatever they want <laughs> I mean if you get an opportunity if you're listening to this podcast and you get an opportunity to uh, read some of Christian's stories on this and also go on the Instagram account and have a look you know it is fascinating you can see pictures of people having a giant, a gigantic bonfire. I was just yeah, like, it's, big that's, it's kind yeah. of right. It's right next to the road and other yeah, buildings. Yeah, like as everything's well. right next to the road because it's, <laughs> it's literally right in the middle of two roads. It is. Yeah. It is like amazing, and um, yeah, it's, it's well worth having having a look at it. Mm. 
So, um, yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks for coming in and talking to us about that. No worries. Thanks okay. for having me. Okay, that's it for this week's podcast. Hope you enjoyed. Remember, you can rate, review, and subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>